Mark 14 is the end of the road for Jesus. He's been on the road to Jerusalem and the cross since chapter 8, and now we arrive at the faithful night. Jesus has told his disciples three times now about his coming death, but the idea of a dead Messiah is just too strange for them, so they never can understand that Jesus is going to actually die. Now, in contrast to the disciples, we have this nameless woman in verses 3 through 9. And she brings an expensive perfume, and she pours it over Jesus' head. And the people who witness this are pretty agitated by the waste of something so expensive. 300 denarii? That could feed someone for about a year. So they see it as nothing but a waste. But Jesus gives it significance. The poor, he says, they're going to be around later for you to help. But Jesus is about to leave them. And this perfume that's been poured on his head is an anointing for his burial. And because this woman spared nothing in honoring Jesus' death, she's proclaimed alongside the gospel story with him. But this woman isn't the only one preparing for Jesus' death. We're told just before this story in verses 1 through 2 that the chief priests and the scribes are trying to find a convenient way to kill Jesus. And in verses 10 through 11, they found it. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, he goes to Jerusalem, and he tells the leaders that he will betray Jesus at an opportune time. And we're told that they gave him some money. Matthew's gospel says it was about 30 silver coins. In modern pricing, that is the grand total of $100. The woman, she gave everything for her faith. Judas sold his faith for nothing. But this betrayal isn't something that is going to catch Jesus off guard. If you remember, he's been expecting his death since chapter 8. And the story in verses 12 through 16 show us that Jesus knows exactly what's going on in his city. He tells his disciples to find a man carrying a jug of water and to follow him where they will celebrate the Passover together. And in verse 16, we're told that the disciples went out, entered the city, and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When Jesus and the rest of the disciples meet to have the Passover meal, he knows that Judas is going to betray him. And all of this is to show that Jesus' death on the cross, it's not an accident, and it's not Jesus being defeated. It's Jesus' express purpose to die on the cross. And he sees his coming death not as an accident, but as a self-sacrifice for the sake of his people. During the Passover feast, we have Jesus, and he takes different parts of this meal, and he reinterprets it around himself. During the Passover, we have the Jews forbidden from eating anything with leaven in it. So they had to eat flatbreads. And Jesus takes this, and he breaks the bread, and he says it's symbolic of his body that's about to be broken on the cross. Then we have the wine that they drank, and he says that's symbolic of the blood, which is going to establish the new covenant, the one we read about back in Jeremiah 31. Jesus doesn't mention anything about the lamb, but there are a bunch of other passages in the New Testament, like 1 Corinthians 5-7, which identify him with the Passover lamb, that was slaughtered on the night of the Exodus. So Jesus is able to take the symbols of the Exodus, and he gives them a similar but much greater meaning around himself. Through Jesus' sacrifice, we're not being freed from the power of another nation like Egypt. We're being freed from the powers of sin and death itself. And so Jesus, he's firmly set himself to his purpose, but the disciples still aren't coming around to it. It's easy to focus on Judas and his betrayal on this night, but Jesus was abandoned by everybody that night. Even when his disciples vehemently deny that they would ever deny Jesus, Jesus says, you'll be running away from me before the night is over. 
And so after Jesus spends some time in prayer alone in the Garden of Gethsemane, we have Judas, who brings the mob to come and arrest Jesus. Peter, who Mark doesn't mention, but we hear about his name in other accounts, Peter has a moment of boldness and strikes out with the sword. But in the end, in Mark chapter 14, at verse 50, we're told that then they all deserted him and ran away. Now a certain young man wearing nothing but a linen cloth was following him, and they caught hold of him, but he let the linen cloth behind and ran away naked. Now the young naked man has been a subject of speculation. It could be an indication of how fast and shamefully the disciples left Jesus, leaving even their clothes behind, but I find a number of interesting parallels with Amos chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. Amos chapter 2, verse 6 God condemns Israel for selling the righteous for silver, just as Judas has done. And for this and another of other sins, God is about to bring total destruction on his people, just as Jesus predicted in Mark 13. And in Amos chapter 2, verse 16, it says that even the most courageous of the warriors will flee naked on that day. This is the Lord's declaration. And among all those courageous who fell that day was Peter. As Jesus is being questioned and beaten by the Sanhedrin council, Peter's kind of on the fringes, but some begin to recognize him, start asking about his association with Jesus. And three times Peter's asked if he's with Jesus, and three times Peter denies any relationship. But after realizing his cowardice, he breaks down and weeps. We have to understand that we don't have to be like Judas to betray Jesus. We betray him in smaller ways like Peter. Mark chapter 8 at verse 35, after Jesus announces the first time that he's going to go die, he says that whoever wants to save his life is going to lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Instead of running away, we need to learn to pray like Jesus did in the garden. In Mark chapter 14 at verse 36, he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Following Jesus isn't about getting what we want. It's about giving ourselves entirely to God. And make no mistake, Jesus is anxious as he prays these words. The path to the cross that we are to follow Jesus on, it's scary. And we're going to feel the same temptation as Judas, Peter, and the rest of the disciples to turn our back on him and run away. Yet even after all of these disappointments, Jesus after he's risen on the third day, still claims them as his own. When you're scared and you run away from Jesus, don't be too scared to come back to him.